Amen. Before I start, how about we give the Lord a clap offering this day? So we were like, <laughs> praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. My name's Pastor Art. I go to a church called Hillside LA. Some of you have met me. I do an outreach called uh, Breaking Bread. And we go out and we do uh, feeding to the homeless. That's how I guess you guys got hooked up with Pastor Sam Cole. He's my senior pastor. He sends his love, his warmth. My wife, Denise, sends her highs and her love to you guys, the ones that know her. And um, just a little background of who I am and how I got here. Uh, It's through Pastor Sam. He had uh, invited me to come out here and speak with you. Um, And I took up the offer. My background is in, uh, I'm really, like I tell people when I meet them, I'm a Pentecostal foundation. That's where my roots are. I preach like a Baptist, and I'm conservative like a Presbyterian. At times, amen? So so anytime you feel like jumping up and saying hallelujah, amen, I welcome it. Even if you want to run around here and with your hands up in the air, like I always say, come on somebody, Jesus is good, amen? The Holy Spirit is alive and well within us. Um, I started out not always being... uh, Being a believer, I had to go into a men's discipleship home. I'm going to give you a little background of of who I am and and how I got to serve and meet the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was coming up at the age of uh, 16 through maybe 18, I started being God-conscious, aware of Jesus Christ. And the guys that would always come in and witness to me back in the 80s, they were like, like kind of like Baptists, you know, like the way I believe in Baptists are like the Baptists I met were like a, a black community, you know, African-American, how brimstone and fire. So when I heard my friends that were getting saved at the time, they would always come up to me and tell me, hey, Art, you got to come to Jesus. You know, the Lord loves you. Look at what he's doing in my life, you know, and, and they would describe Jesus as this, this, this judgmental and mean guy. You know, and I was like, they, they would tell me like, you know, you got to change your life or you're going to end up in hell and, you know, you're going to, you know, God's going to do this. But if you turn your life over, you're going to end up having this and you're going to get this. And, and I was like, well, if, if, if I don't and if he's loving and he's caring, but he's going to send me to hell, I, I, I just couldn't get it. You know, I just couldn't, I just couldn't put the two to two together. First, you're telling me God is like this. He's all judging. He's, he's mean. He's going to send you here. He's going to send you there. And then they're telling me, but he's all loving, and he's going to give you this, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do this. So they, they conflicted against each other, you know? So um, as I got older, I finally heard the true gospel. And the true gospel was his grace and his mercy and his love, his freedom that we have to enjoy him. It wasn't a bunch of don'ts and do's. It was a bunch of, it's open, and you get to receive, and it's welcoming. All that other stuff that we're involved in slowly falls off. So I ended up in a men's home. It's a discipleship home. Uh, It's a rehabilitation home because I needed a lot of rehabilitation in my life. And I'm here today. 
And God opened up so many doors. I ended up going to Bible college for free. I ended up uh, uh, it's ministry. I ended up going on missions through the United States. Someone that had never been out of the neighborhood. You know, I grew up in uh, violent. I grew up in gangs. I, uh, I was a, a MA. It's, it's a mafia associate where you sell drugs and you send money to the leaders of the mafia, Mexican mafia, behind the prison walls. Uh, you do all this other bad corruption stuff for them. But I just, I, I don't say this to, to pump myself up. I just say this to let you know what God can do in my life, he sure can do in your life. What God can do in my life, the people that you're going to start outreaching to and go out and, and witness to, you're going to be that voice. You're going to be that true love. You're going to be that mouthpiece that God's going to bring someone into this church and everything's going to explode. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so... One of my favorite shows, before I get into my message, one of my favorite shows is, um, you know, I'm sorry I'm a pastor, but I do watch TV. (laughs) And um, I don't know if you guys ever heard it. It's called Forged in Fire. And Forged in Fire is a show on the, I think it's on the History Channel, where they teach you how to make swords. They have a competition these are blacksmiths that come into this competition, and they're chosen, and they come in, and they're picked to come in, and they have a, a, a like it's a four, and then it goes down to three, and then it goes down to two people. So what they do is they, they, they stick this little piece of metal, and the metal starts out like this. The metal will probably start out like this, or sometimes it'll be broken up in pieces, but what they got to do is they got to weld it together, right? They put it together, they put a handle on it, and then they got to stick it in this little box and that little box is fire and what that fire does is it heats up the metal so hot that when they take it out they put the metal on this it's called an iron where they put this metal on this this iron and they start pounding it but now modern day uh, uh, equipment they got this thing called big blue and what big blue is they stick it in there and big blue is like the hammer and it starts hammering and pounding it and what they do is while they're hammering it and pounding it when that metal is real fiery hot and it's red, they start forging a sword or a knife, a weapon. And what they, when they're doing this, they're in competition. And then they, they, uh, they, they, the first part of the competition is when they beat it out and stretch it out, they, they have to come up with like a shape of a knife, right, or a sword. And while I'm telling you that is because in my life, as I'm growing in Christ, I see what Christ does in our life. He puts us through a fire. He puts us in through a, in through a, a fire, and he beats on us, and he starts to shape us. He said he's the, the, the craftsmanship of God, the hand craftsmanship of God. And the Bible says that he's the potter and we're the clay. You see, but I like looking at this, and when I'm looking at this, I, I'm saying, man, in my life, how many times... Has God beaten and, and, and tried to form me? Because at the end of this competition, you should see the swords. You should see how sharp they are. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. You should see how, how, how the craftsmanship of these guys, they, they, they make this sword like Damascus. It's, it's, it's like these designs on these swords that they come out. And I say, man, that's what God does in our life. He's going to put us through the fire at times. And as you read the Bible, you can see what Jesus went through. Jesus was smashed. He was bruised. He was spit on. He had a, 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 
a, a hood put over his head, and he was hit and beat, but it all went to the cross. And as we read in Acts, we're going to get into Paul's life. And Paul is one of those apostles that when he got saved, he got radically saved. And you got to remember, Paul was a murderer. He was the one persecuting Christians all in the name of Judaism because he believed that the Old Testament and what God had was the, was, was the way. He was an educated, he was educated, he was brought up in a lifestyle where, where his ways were right and no other way, but it was a selfish and it was an unforgiving way of thinking. He couldn't recognize the Lord Jesus when he was standing in front of him because they grew up at the same time. He couldn't understand the, uh, when the resurrection happened that Michael was preaching, I mean, Stephen was preaching the word of God, and he couldn't understand the message that he was hearing. But the Bible says that the word of God will not go back in vain. And when he got struck off his horse, he became tra uh, radically transformed. Amen? Let me open up in a word of prayer. Father, Lord, I just thank you for this time, Father. I thank you for this church. True love, Father. I pray that your message would go forth. I pray everything in me, Father God, would be of the spirit, Father God. I pray that you would calm down my spirit right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this community. Amen. Amen. So right now we're going to get into the word of God. We're going to get into uh, Acts. And we're going to start at verse 27. I mean, chapter 27, verse 20. And right here, as we get into Acts, we're going to see that Paul's in the middle of a shipwreck. But he's not only in the middle of a shipwreck, he's in the middle of a, a, a miracle and a mistake that's happening. Sometimes you can't tell the two of, two of the difference, but it's always about perspective. And if we could get that verse up there, as we read along... It says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up hope in being saved. So it wasn't one of those storms where it was just, you know, a storm came, the rain came, and the rain went away. It was one of those storms that, that beat the heck out of this ship. It was one of those storms and trials of life that when you're going through, you can't see no end in sight. All darkness and all hell just falls upon your life. You don't know which way you're going. You don't know which way you're being tossed or which way you're being uh, 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 torn. You're being, you're being uh, 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 to and fro. It was one of, those ship, one of those nights where the ship was about to break. And it says, after, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before the men and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail to creed. Right here I can see Paul, as we're going through Paul's life on this, on this journey in Acts, where he's, uh, he has some kind of sarcastic, like he's being sarcastic in a way. I see it like, like man, like, like he's not too spiritual where he could have said, you know, you should have listened to me. You know, he's not that spiritual. So he's telling them, like, if you would have listened to me, we wouldn't have been going through this. 
Sometimes it's what other people do. Other people's decision is when we go through a trial. We're on the way and on the road with Jesus Christ to do something. And sometimes it's the other person's decision that puts you in the middle of a storm. Sometimes I get them two Ds mixed up because we always want to blame the devil. But sometimes it's the decision that we make or the other person's make. Amen? He says, because you didn't listen, in other words, take my advice because you thought it was the only way to go, because I told you so, Paul is letting them know, now we're going to have to go through all this trial and tribulations. Sometimes we get those D words mixed up. It ain't the devil. It's the decision. Have you ever been in a trial where everything in your life was going perfectly fine in the Lord Jesus Christ? Everything was going fine. And all of a sudden, someone else's decision put you in a storm, put you in a dark place, put you in an area that you didn't know how you got there. Right now, don't, you know, if you're agreeing too much, the person next to you might, you know, <laughs> the person next to you is like, what are you talking about? The other person. Amen? It's okay to laugh. It's okay to say amen. It's okay to hang out. All right? You don't have to be uptight. <laughs> so Paul's going through it, and he tells them, if, it wasn't, if you didn't have to listen to my advice, we wouldn't have to be going through this trial and tribulation. We wouldn't have to be going through this darkness. We wouldn't have to be in this dark area. We wouldn't have to be tossed to and fro. Amen? But now I take, take courage and keep up your courage because nothing on the boat will be lost. It says, only the ship will be destroyed. How do I know this? Last night, an angel of the God who I am, who... An angel of God, who I am and who I have served, stood beside me saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must go before Caesar. God has generously given you these lives and all who sail with you. So keep up the courage, men. I have faith, God, that God... It will happen. I have faith in God that it will happen. In other words, don't worry now because God's telling Paul, you must go to Rome. Paul was on a mission to go to Rome. He always wanted to stand before the big leader, Caesar, to deliver a message of salvation. And what God's telling him in the middle of this storm while Paul's all alone in the night, struggling, trying to survive when all hope was lost, Paul's in the middle of the storm telling him, I mean, God's telling Paul, don't worry. You can't go down in this battle because you have a bigger battle ahead of you. It will happen. That's what God's telling him on the open seas. Don't, don't worry now. Don't, don't give up your hope because you have a bigger battle to go before you. Keep up your courage, men. I have faith that God will, that God will, and it will happen. As he told me, nevertheless, we must run, a, run aground on some island. Amen? 
See, as me being a pastor or as a young convert in Jesus Christ, we could see that when they're in a shipwreck and Paul's telling them, this didn't have to happen, you didn't have to go through this, there's people in our lives that will say, what's the reason? Why are we going through this? As you're going through a trial and you're going through a dark area, we always want to find a reason why this is happening. But you can't, find, you can't go ask for the reason. You always got to look for the revelation, what God's going to do. See, when Paul was out there stranded, I could just imagine him praying and asking God, what's going on? But God gave him revelation of who he was, what he was. His promise still endures. He still continues to keep going. And Paul's asking him, why is this going on? But Paul, uh, God gives Paul revelation and says, this is your, my promise. You're not going to go down in this battle, but you're going to have another battle to endure. You're going to have bigger and better battles that I'm going to give you. Because we always think as, as, as well, I always think thought as a young Christian, why is this happening? Why is this? Why is that? I didn't look for revelation, what, Paul, what God was going to do in my life. You see, I got a granddaughter that was uh, struck by CD, CDB children's cancer in her brain. She had a tumor and it was removed. And when she went to the hospital, she got it removed. It developed into cancer. And my whole family and everybody was in a dark area. And my granddaughter was only five years old. And we were always... Uh, like, why, God, why? The questions were always there. We weren't looking for revelation, you know? And I was just a young convert. I had just accepted the Lord, and I had just told God, you know, I'm going to serve you. I want my family to come to Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing good. I want to get all this stuff that I heard when you become a Christian, all that stuff come. You know, seek ye the kingdom of heaven first, and... Uh, all that good stuff, and all of a sudden we get struck, me and my family, we get struck with my granddaughter having cancer, and, um, and we went through a dark period in, my time, in our time. And I remember always asking God, why, why, why? Always looking for reason, you know? Not looking for what God can do. And I stuck, I stuck, I stuck in my prayer, in my reading, and God revealed to me, it ain't because I want to take her from you. It's because I want to make you stronger in your prayer. I want you to seek me in my word each and every day. And when I heard that during my, in the storm, God said, I have a promise for you. I have a plan for you. And it's not to harm you. Jeremiah 29, 11. But it's to make you stronger. It's to build you up. And I believe without my granddaughter being in that, in, that, in that storm of her life and in that trouble of her life, that I would never be the prayer warrior I am now. I don't believe I would have been in my word seeking the Lord each and every day. But that was the revelation that God gave me. He said, seek ye the kingdom of heaven first, and all these things will be added. The doctor gave my granddaughter three years to live. You know, they said, start preparing because this kind of uh, situation happens. 
uh, kids that develop this kind of cancer, brain tumor, uh, they get it removed, and they only got like two years and a half to three years. So within, you know, your second year, start preparing away. And um, my family was hurt. They were struggling. But I said, you know what? God has a plan. And I continued to go in there every day. I would go to my daughter's house. Uh, we didn't leave her in the hospital. My, grand, my daughter took care of my granddaughter. You know, we didn't leave her in the hospital. So the hospital, my daughter learned everything you need to know about nursing, gave her her medicine, gave, put her IVs in. We had a hospital inside my daughter's uh, house. And um, through that storm and trial, my daughter learned a trade, you know, a profession, how to be a nurse, taking care of her own daughter. We had a, 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 20, uh, a, a nurse that would come uh, I think eight hours out of the day, she would come in seven days a week and help my, my, my daughter. My wife had just got out of prison from doing a, a, a term in prison for trafficking narcotics. Uh, she got to take care of my granddaughter. And to make a long story short, my granddaughter didn't live uh, three years like the doctor said. The Lord Jesus Christ gave, gave us to her for eight years. Amen. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of God because he strengthened our faith. We were hoping for a miracle. We were hoping for her to get up off that bed and walk. She was dismobile. She couldn't move nothing. The only thing she could do is open up her eyes and, and, and couldn't even speak. She couldn't even move her muscles in her face, in her hands, in her legs. But God gave my granddaughter more than what the doctors gave her. The doctors only gave her three years, but God said, I'm going to give, it to you, give her to you for eight. Amen? Praise the Lord. You could give a Lord a clap offering for that if you want. But that was our trouble. That's what Paul was saying. You know, we didn't have to go through this. If you, did, if you would have listened, we wouldn't have to be, be going through this dark time. But Paul knew. He said last night, while the storm was raging, last night when your granddaughter couldn't move, last night when you were all alone and you weren't making those grades that your parents wanted you to go through, last night when you were all alone in the dark, last night when you were just laying there with no hope, you couldn't be saved, an angel of the Lord came and gave you revelation. That's what Paul was saying, last night it will happen. When you're serving the Lord and if there's, nothing's happening, there must be something going on. The devil must have you where he wants you. Your decisions in life must be common, continuously going. The Bible says, Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. And you know what that cross was like. I explained it to you in the beginning of this sermon. It was nothing but torture. Nothing but... Uh, Blood, glory, nothing but mockery. Being a Christian, going out and talking to your friends, you're going to get mocked. I go out there every, every, every time we go out and do an outreach, there's times I get mocked. Like, come on, are you, how long is this going to last, you know? But following the Lord Jesus Christ is... is It's going to be a struggle. That's what I'm trying to say. Following the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to go through a dark place. It will happen. 
For God will give you always a place to land. Amen? He will give you a place to land. Because you can't always ask for reason. Look for revelation. You know? My little granddaughter said one time, no, it's my grandson. My grandson was, we went to go visit my, my, my daughter's house, and my grandson, he's just telling his, his, his mom, I want to spend the night at his cousin's, right? I want to spend the night. Can I spend the night? And she's saying, no, no, I want to spend the night. I want to spend the night. And he's like, looks at her and says, I need a reason. Why can't I go? And I'm sitting there listening at this, looking at this uh, conflict that's going on between uh, son and mom, and then all of a sudden he said, I need a reason. Why can't I go? And I look at him and I'm like, you know, he's only like, Sean's only like 10 years old, 11 years old. I don't know. Maybe you guys watch TV like I do. But have you ever seen Bart and Homer, the way he would grab Bart around the neck and all of a sudden Bart's I, I know I couldn't do that, you know, because he knows Tata's a, a, a Christian and Tata's nice and Tata won't hit him or anything. But just that thought, because I seen the conflict, and I was like, like, I felt like just, but all of a sudden, the spirit of Star Wars came upon me, and I said, that is your mother. See, he didn't need a reason why he couldn't go. He needed a revelation of who she was in his life. No is no. That's what Paul's saying. That's what God is saying. Paul, you have a bigger battle Remember who I am in your life. TLC, love community, I mean love, uh, uh, true love. Remember who Jesus is in your life. It will happen. Remember when you're going through that trial, when you're going through that storm, when you think you're not going to be able to outreach or talk to that person or go through this person, when you're at work and you're trying to witness to somebody, remember who God promised you who he was. That's what Paul's saying. And it ended up, just like he said, they ended up on an island. Nevertheless, we must run aground on an island. Can we get to chapter 28? And it says, once safely on shore, we found that the island was called Malta. See, Malta means refuge. The grace of God will not stop you from being tossed around in your life. The grace of God will not stop you from being in a dark place, but the grace of God will always give you a place to land. His mercy and his grace endures. Amen? So once on the island, the islanders show us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. So just imagine that. It was raining and cold. He just came out of a dark place. He ended up on an island, and they said the islanders. The word for islanders is really barbarians. In the Greek text, it's, it's barbarians because they called them barbarians. The, the writer of uh, Luke, the writer of Acts, he used that term barbarians because they were, uh, they were unfamiliar language. They didn't speak the language. They probably didn't dress like them. You know, they probably came out with feathers in their hair or however they, they, they dressed back then. Uh, but it was unfamiliar. So they didn't speak his language. 
They were unfamiliar people. They were, they, were, they were called barbarians. We'll call them in a nice term, the islanders. And they showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and it was cold. Um, Paul gathered up a pile of bush. So Paul wasn't that one of those lazy leaders, you know. When everything happened, we're going to have to survive. Now we're on an island. We're in an unfamiliar place. You know, he's taking lead. He's one of those leaders. He wasn't at an event saying, you know, pumped up, I'm a leader, controlling people, like, hey, go get bushel. He's took the, he took that step and did it himself. He took the initiative, that's the word I'm looking for, and started doing it himself. And he built a fire. And I'm going to leave it there for a minute. Because just imagine this. Coming out of a storm, Paul's coming out of a storm, Crawling on an island, he probably has seaweed all over his hair. Been out there like a boogie board, a piece of drift, driftwood. They're paddling, you know, out there for weeks. Um, let me see. Let me show you something. Can I have that picture of, of, of the map? And I'm going to use this because this is pretty high. All right? <laughs> but, but. Pastor Sam said, hey, get one of those laser things. And I'm like, ah. I'm from the hood, you know, we can use anything. But check it out. This is where Paul, for weeks, was in the storm. This is where Paul was going to go to Rome, right? The big spot where he was going to go preach in front of Caesar, deliver a message, and then get killed for what he believes in. But this is where Paul ended up, that little tiny island right there. Paul's struggle, his storm in his life, in the night, alone, the promise of God came to him. He crawls onto Mota with seaweed in his hair, spitting out salty water, probably had a fish in his pocket. Have you ever been to Mota? I find myself on Mota many of times. What I'm trying to say is, TLC, have you ever been in an unfamiliar place, an unfamiliar island at an unfamiliar time? Paul landed on Mota. Like I said, seaweed in his hair. All of a sudden, he started getting wood, started gathering his his equipment to build up a fire, raining and cold, unfamiliar, stranded, just came out of a dark place. The Bible says, Paul gathered up the pile of, of, of bushel, bushwood, and he put it on the fire, and a viper, driven out by the heat, everybody knows what a viper is, right? Amen? Amen. A viper driven out by the heat fastened himself, fastened himself on his hand. This Paul coming out of a dark place, crawling on the ground with seaweed in his head, like I said, and then all of a sudden he's helping build a fire to keep the guys alive. Because they're stranded in an unfamiliar place with unfamiliar people. 
And all of a sudden, it's like, have you guys ever seen uh, the Roadrunner? Where the Roadrunner almost gets Wiley Coyote. Or Wiley Coyote almost gets Roadrunner, sorry. And all of a sudden, right when he's almost going to get him, something happens. He gets crushed by a big rock or something. What I'm trying to say, this is almost comical. Paul comes out of a big old storm, seaweed in his hair. He's warming up a, a, a fire. And then a viper gets him. And it doesn't bite him and back off. The Bible says it fastened himself to him. And he's holding it up and he's like, what the heck? All of a sudden you get out of one trial. You get out of one tribulation. What I'm trying to say is you get out of one disaster in your life. And right when you think it's over, here comes something else. It's going to happen. It will happen. Here comes something else. The viper comes and fastens itself on Paul. Like I said, it's almost comical. When the islanders saw this snake hanging, like I said, it was there. It bit down. The devil was trying to destroy him. The devil will try to take you out any way he can. After you come out of that one big trial, God promised you, you know, you're not going to go down in this battle. You got another battle coming. And all of a sudden, a viper comes and bites him. And it hangs on his hand. The islanders saw that the snake was hanging from his hand. And they said to each other, this must be a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has, has allowed him to live. In other words, they knew that Paul was locked up. But when Paul came on shore, you always got to watch out for people. You always got to be careful with people. Because people will always assign a reason why something happens to you in your life. Oh, she's going through that storm because, you know, her mom said not to date that guy. That guy was, a, was out there in left field. They will assign a, a reason why something happened to you. Like they said, hey, this guy, hey, first he was helping, all right, they're all working together. The viper bites him, and then all of a sudden, you got to watch out for people. The islanders started saying, he must be a murderer. They started assigning them things. You will get assigned things by different people in your life. As you go through a trial, oh, the only reason why they're going through that is because her mom told her not to go to that, that, that store or go to that club. The only reason why they're, they're struggling is because why they're rebelling because, you know, what I'm trying to say is, has the devil tried lately to tell you you're not a Christian or, or God's not working in your life because of whatever reason you're going through, whatever thing you're going through, whatever trial you're going through in your life. But right here, Paul preaches the, the best message I ever seen Paul preach in all the New Testament in Acts. The Word of God, well, not the Word of God. I'm reading, you might not have this in your, in your Bible, but I'm reading from the TSV uh, version. And the TSV version is uh, the Taylor Swift version. And Paul says, 
Players are going to play, 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 play. Come on, true love community. <laughs> Haters are going to hate, 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 hate. There you go. What Paul did was he didn't go on Facebook and write a response. He didn't go explain why this happened. What we got to do is when the devil comes in our life and he tries to destroy us and put us down, what we got to do is we got to learn how to shake it off. What Paul did was shook it off. That snake fell. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering if you're going to give the Lord a clap offering. He didn't say nothing. They didn't go to the island committee and take a vote what we should do or how we should get this or should I get a Band-Aid or I put. Or what he did was just shook it off. And like I said, they stood there and watched. First, he's a murderer. They assigned reason to him. Players are going to play, 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 play. Okay, he shook it off. Amen? That's right. And then he says, the man must be a murderer, for thou hast escaped the justice and allowed him to live. But Paul shook off into the fire. Here we go. After a while, it says, Paul shook it off into the fire. The people expected him to swell up. You know, they're just looking now. The people stood back. People are going to stand back. And they're going to say, can they really get an outreach going? Can they really do what God has called them to do? People at work, they're going to be looking. Are you really a Christian? They're going to assign reasons. When you make a mistake, they will assign a reason. But they stood back. People will stand back. They won't hand you a Band-Aid. They won't get you an alcohol pad. They'll just stand back. And it says the people expected him to swell up because that's what they're going to do. They're going to expect you to go back and fall back and be conformed to the world instead of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like the Bible says. They're going to wait to see if you ended up at the, at the graduation party or at the prom. You're going you're, you're to sneak away with, with uh, whoever you're going to be with at the prom and, and fall into sin. They're just going to stand back. No advice. No help. Amen. They will stand back and they will watch. But Paul didn't turn into a, a walker. He did not turn over and fall down, night of the living dead, and come after him and make him run. What he did was he just shook it off. And the Bible says, and after they waited a long time, so they waited, day, maybe two, three days. When is this guy going to fall over? When is his hand going to swell up? Have you ever been a mota? Have you ever been in an unfamiliar place with unfamiliar people? With an unfamiliar situation, after coming out of a dark area in your life, TLC, personal or as a group, has the devil ever came and bit you again right when you thought the battle was over? That's what I'm trying to tell you. Has you have you ever been bitten by a viper when you thought the first battle was over? It says, and after they didn't see it, this is, here we go again with people. After a long time, seeing nothing unusual that happened. In other words, he stood his ground. He stood strong. 
The viper bit. He shook it off. It crawled back to whatever hole it came out of, like the enemy will do. Unusual. It happened to him. They changed their mind. They said, he is a god. In other words, first he's a murderer, now he's a god. First Hosanna, next minute crucify him. One minute Hosanna, coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. The next minute standing in front of Pilate, what should we do? Crucify him. People will always change their minds about you. They'll be the ones tossed to and fro, being like a ping pong ball while you stand firm. Amen? So therefore, when Paul shook off the snake and they didn't see nothing happen to him, they all invited him to a a place, it says, there was an estate nearby. In other words, now we know you're a good guy. You're not the murderer we thought you were. We've seen you crawling out of the, the, out of the sea with seaweed in your hair. You were, you're, you're an all right guy. You are helping us. All of a sudden, you're a murderer. Now you're a god. So now we're going to bring you to the island. We're going to bring you into the, to the estate. So we're going to bring you to the leader's house. So therefore, there was an estate nearby, and it belonged to Publius. So anybody married, young kids married, dating? All right, we got one. Anyone, uh, anyone um, engaged? Any, or the number two, there you go, all right. So I only say that because if you're looking for a baby name, when you start having babies, Publius will be a good baby name. <laughs> If you want to see your kid get beat up in school, amen. <laughs> Do you ever have one of those friends where they're like, they were called like this name, like, hey, man, who named you that? <laughs> Anyways, we'll go on. And he was the chief official on the island. In other words, he was the leader. He welcomed us to his home for three days. So in other words, Paul is welcome into this home after he escaped the tragedy, after the God of heaven promised him he was going to Rome. I ain't dying on this island. He shook off the second bite, the second trial, and all of a sudden they're welcoming him. And it says right here in verse 8, it says, His father was sick in bed. Suffering from, the, from a fever. I was going to say the Motov fever. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, right about now, I might be putting too much imagination on it. But just right about now, Paul's sitting down to have a dinner. He escaped the wrath of the, of the seas. The sting of a viper getting ready to sit down at a nice meal. Publius, the chief official of the island, welcomes him into his home. 
and he sees a man. His father was sick in bed, suffering from a fever, and suffering from a fever. Paul went into see him to start praying. So right about now, this is where I see, see Paul. Right now, I see Paul smiling. Like I said, I might have too much imagination on it, but I see Paul walking into this room with the big smile. He got the islanders, the officials, the top guys, and he walks into this room. Or they're probably wheeling him in, and he has his big smile, and he's saying, I had to go through this storm. I had to be bashed around. I had to get bit by a viper. I had to crawl up on the island with seaweed in my hair. I had to be around these strange people with a strange language in a strange place called Malta. Paul had this, Paul right here in my imagination is saying, I had to go through all this suffering. I had to go. My granddaughter had to go through what she went through to make me stronger, to make my family stronger. We had to go through this trial. We're not going to talk about the reason, but now the revelation comes forth, and Paul is on an island, unfamiliar people at an unfamiliar banquet, talking about who is he. Publius says, this is my dad. He's sick with the Malta fever, and there ain't nothing that could heal him. And this is where Paul, my imagination just lightens up, and Paul's saying, can I see him? Paul went, into his, went, Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hand on him and healed him. So imagine that. And it says, when this had happened, the rest, the rest of the sick on the island came. In other words, <laughs> Publius opened up his house, and it became a church building. Now they got Paul in there healing people. He healed Publius's dad with the hand. He, healed, he laid his hands on Publius' dad. Now the island's coming over. They're getting healed. And it says, they honored us in many ways. No, it says, when this had happened, the rest of the islanders came and were cured. In other words, they had church. They had a revival. The whole island got saved. The whole island got healed. TLC, True Love Community, I'm here to give you a message from God himself. With all my nerves in place, the jokes, the stories, I just want you to know that God has a mission for you. God has a calling on your life. As I came here today, and I spoke to many of people as they welcomed me. I heard the voice of God telling me that this is a church that wants to show their true love. They want to go out 
as I talked to the leaders, as some of the leaders are that small group that came out and went with us on this, on this uh, breaking bread journey, I know your heart's in the right place, God is saying. You're going to go through adversities. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through roadblocks. But God has a promise for you. And if you hold on to that promise and not ask why each time a trial comes and you continue into that promise, that you will see your supplies in your action. I came here to tell you that no matter what you're going to go through, it will happen because it has to happen. God promised it. 